Welcome to the Truth of the Matter Is podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, alongside Jonathan, and we are back for episode 122. First and foremost, we would like to give a round of applause to all of our new and, of course, consistent listeners. We thank you and hope that you continue to press play at your own convenience. So, again, a new wrinkle that we have added to begin a podcast, and we also encourage everyone listening to do the same, is upon reflection, think about one or two ways the Lord has blessed you previous week. So, Daniel, you do the honor of letting us know what is one way or two ways upon reflection that the Lord has blessed you last week. One way that the Lord has blessed me this week is uh, just reestablishing some connections with people. It was good to be able to talk and have good uh, communication. And I think uh, anytime somebody comes in or out of your life, it could be it could be a blessing. So that's one way. And then the second way has been um, somebody helped me uh, buy pizza for the whole warehouse. Uh, Friday at my job so that was that was a nice congester so I took that as a blessing as well what about you so the Lord's blessed me two ways one way is last week Sunday I started off work late because I was caught up watching the Jets game you know sort of hoping I would have something to cheer for and obviously I was sad because there was nothing what do you mean I mean what do I do you say that we lost 30 to 10 last week. So it wasn't something to cheer for. So usually, you know, I would catch the game on the radio, but I wanted to see some of it on TV before I left. Now, obviously, I realized instantly that was a poor decision. But at first, it seemed that it wouldn't have been, but it actually was. Now, here's an interesting thing on how it played out to my benefit. So... Within my first four drops, I did have a generous tipper. I received a $41 tip, which I really appreciated from Jesus. who did it. So, you know, what I learned is even though I started late, God still blessed me, right? Now, I won't expect this to happen every time, but I appreciate God giving me favor. So even though I, you know, I left late, I received favor from someone, right? This is why I'm under the belief that he orders our steps ultimately to receive blessings that someone is going to provide in those moments and times. So with that blessing from God, through that customer, I was able to reach my goal and I had a decent night even though I started late. Now, the second way I was blessed by God is that for those that are listening that are drivers, if you drive in New York, there's something you need to be aware of, and it's called alternate side parking, where the streets need to be cleaned, so you have to move your car to the other side and park it there. Now, example is, let's say today's Monday, right? Well, you would need to find parking on the Tuesday-Friday side because on Monday, the streets have to be cleaned. So it could be from 9 to 10.30. So from that 9 to 10.30, you would have to move your car. Another example time-wise let's say today is tuesday then you would need to move your car on the other side right 
which would be yeah you know sometimes i get sick of moving my car well that's interesting (laughs) i don't drive i know but the point is you want to move it to the other side and that time frame can be from 11 to 12 30 now certain neighborhood streets have different time slots so they're not always the same and wednesday is usually the day where the alternate side parking at least in our area is not in effect so it was wednesday night into thursday morning i was coming home from work and finding parking in our neighborhood is pretty tough after a certain hour you know i would say anywhere from 6 p.m to about 3 a.m in the morning it's gonna be tough finding parking in brooklyn or the queens area right i actually you know noticed that the area that we are in is actually quite congested which is why insurance in this area is up right because you have more cars occupying an area that is most likely why the insurance is up because the likelihood of an accident can happen in this area it's pretty much risky Mm. so just to educate people out there right and at first i didn't know this right i didn't know this was why insurances are up in certain areas and cheaper in other areas like jersey upstate new york insurance is much cheaper but if you are within the five boroughs of New York. The insurance is going to be up. Anyway, I digress. So getting to the point, right? After a certain hour in my area, anytime I find a parking spot, I feel blessed about it. It just so happened to be that this time around, I felt blessed. But then again, I understood what the issue was. And the issue was, was that... The parking spot that I found was at 8 o'clock on a Thursday, and I had just come in around 2.30. So I knew that I would have to get up before 8 o'clock to move it, and it so happened to be that I woke up at 8.35. So instantly, in most cases, I believe I would have received a ticket, right? And... The whole pat, the whole point, the whole point of mentioning is this is because I rushed out of the house, kind of sped, sped walk myself, and I was able to get to the car, and I received grace and mercy because I didn't get the ticket. So appreciate the time of not getting the ticket this time around, and you know. I haven't been ticket for a while. So that's the second way that God's blessed me. I should have gotten a ticket. Normally you do. And I understand there are grace periods. They call it grace periods where if you're supposed to move by 8, maybe about 8, 10 sometimes, depending on the traffic officers are out there, they will make you, they will give you the ticket. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. And that's the second way I was blessed. So, yeah. Again, those are two ways I was blessed by God last week. So again, myself and Daniel encourage you to reflect over the week. And you'll be surprised by how the presence of God is always with you daily. The only way for you to know that is just is that you need to reflect and pay close attention to the details of our lives. That's something Jen would say. She would say, bless the details of our lives. Those, those little itty bitty parts in our day that we don't necessarily pay attention to and sometimes we take for granted and if you reflect think about it you'll notice how easily god is blessing you 
if you're looking as he looks out for you. So, any comments, Dane, before we press forward? No, I think you said enough. All right, now with that being said, here on the Truth of the Matters podcast, we believe praying is first and foremost before we talk about the word, so we're going to pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. As we look at your word today, I ask that we grow from it. I ask that it blesses us to reconsider our actions, attitudes, motives, and thoughts. I pray that we look to apply what you have said with intent, and that we receive it into our spirits. Lord, we thank you for another week that we are able to reflect, come together, and have an opportunity to discuss your word. Not only is it foundational, but it's something that strengthens our faith. Myself and Daniel pray for the listeners. We pray for, we pray, Lord God, for our friends, family, keep them safe from any hurt, harm, and danger. We pray for the families of the listeners as well. We also pray and be thankful for our enemies because they play an important role to either improve us or for us to, for us to see what God is doing and for us to also share God to them as well. Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So today, today we're not going to be with you long, but we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. And we're going to be looking at this in the English Standard Version. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easier leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the title of this podcast is called A Paradox of Difficulty. Now for those who don't know what a paradox is, Daniel, can you remind people? A paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that, when investigated or explained, may prove to be well-founded or true. So a more condensed version is a statement that seems to go against common sense, but still can be true. Again, a more condensed version is a statement that seems to go against common sense, but still may be true. Now, the reason why I call this podcast episode 122 The Paradox of Difficulty is because being a Christian and or follow of Christ is not easy. It's difficult, right? And with that comes believing in things you can't necessarily prove, right? It's a faith thing. It's based upon several aspects of the Christian faith, right? One of those examples of belief is the Trinity, the resurrection. And those, in a lot of cases, can be seen as paradoxes. Now, let me repeat that again. Why I call this podcast episode 122 the paradox of difficulty is because being a christian and or follower of christ it's not easy it's difficult and with that comes believing in things you can't necessarily prove right it's a faith-based belief and some of those components that come along with that faith-based belief is the trinity the resurrection the resurrection and those are in a lot of cases can be understood and seen as paradoxes so being a follower of christ is an act of faith. Being a follower of Christ is an act of faith. 
Yes, there's a biblical definition of faith. So let's go to that quickly. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So a practical way of defining faith is that it's a reason, trust, it's an enduring process, and it's an inherent knowledge. Again, a practical way of defining faith is a reason, trust, it's an enduring process, and it's inherent foreknowledge. Okay, so faith, again, is a reason, trust, an enduring process, and an inherent foreknowledge. Now, how does one build their faith? Well, you need to expose yourself to the word of God. If you don't, then the problem is you're going to expose yourself to different ideologies that will steer you in many different directions. That's the risk that you're taking, right? I said it again. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to disagree a little bit. Okay, go ahead. And explain why. When or let's say not disagree, but when you say expose yourself, what do you mean by that? In other words, we were born, in the book of Isaiah, it says, we were born, we were creatures born to worship God. And if it's not steered in faith, then that worship shifts to yourself. It shifts to other things that you see. Money, as an example, can also be a God. It shifts to some aspect that is away from God, and it either is in a selfish motive or is something else. That's not rooted in truth. And the people gravitate to it because it makes them feel good. It's something that they find themselves striving in. And ultimately, it's leading you down a path of destruction. That's what happens ultimately when you don't belong to the family of God, right? In, in the book of Romans, it says, whoever believes in his heart and confesses out of his mouth that Jesus is Lord, he is saved. So when we talk about baptism, what a baptism that's a public declaration of your loyalty and your declaration of announcing that Christ is Lord over your life. So all the spiritual entities within the complex of society is aware of who your loyalty to is and who your commitment to is. If it's not that, then you are free game. And what I mean by that is that you're open to potentially be swayed in a lot of other different belief systems and directions based upon their philosophies and their ideas of what God is. So that's what the exposure allows you to have openness to. You follow me? I have a moment to think. Okay. So, this is this is my thoughts on it, right? Okay. And I'm going to say this in a, a very practical way. I think the main thing with faith is a lot of people don't have commitment. And in order to increase your faith, the main thing is not only do you need commitment, but you need intention. 
and your actions need to be placed in the same unit. So whatever you intend to do, in this case, is following the word of God, following the principles, the laws, the rules, the regulations. And your intention is to make sure that your behavior, your words, and every step you take is in line with those things. And the action has to be behind it. So through experience, once you start following the rules, the the laws, and the regulations of the word, that is how you start to gain confidence. Because then you'll understand how it starts to work for you. But only when your actions and your intentions are one will the words seem authentic towards you. Okay. Now when you philosophize about it, not when you think very hard on it, but you have to have the action to follow through as well. Mm. Well, the thing is, you need to expose yourself to the Word of God. If you don't, then you're exposed to different ideologies that will steer you in many different directions with the amount of falsity we are facing on a regular basis is actually very difficult to have convictions and a lot of things there's a lot of different falsities very that true. we're facing so it's hard in most cases authentically and legitimately for people to feel that their conviction and what truth is is something that they can get with so as we take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14, there's a practical application and a biblical application. So I'm going to sort of combine both schools of thought to bring out clarity in the most purest form. So let's begin by addressing verse 13. So we know that gaining pasture is having access to God's kingdom. And that can only happen if we walk down the path that leads down to the narrow gate. When you think about the concept of something being narrow, it's okay to come to the conclusion that one person can enter. No more than one person can enter at that time. If you visualize with an image, two or three people trying to enter something that is only meant for one person is very difficult, right? The description leaves us with a narrow observation, right? Other translations call that path small. So we need to understand the image of one person, not more than one walking down a path, right? Jesus says this in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6. And we're going to look specifically at the Amplified Version for a reason. Jesus said, I am the only way to God and the real truth and the real life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So the reason why I love how the Amplified Version puts it is because the only way is a narrow reality. It's also a bold statement, which is a unique perspective. Why do I say that? Well, it's a concept of being distinctly different. It's the separation from everyone else. It's a loud and dominant stance. It's a powerful declaration of truth in today's time. Throughout history, we've learned that this is hard for many to accept. So, When the beginning of verse 13 in Matthew 7 says, enter through the narrow gate, Jesus is declaring that he is at that narrow gate. And again, entry to him, you must only believe in him and no one else. If you look at the rest of verse 13, it comes, it actually takes place where 
it comes to talk about something called the wide gate, not the narrow. And guess what? The route is easy. And what? Many people follow it. Where does it lead? The scripture said it leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are what? Many. Looking back at the portion of John chapter 14, verse 6, which Daniel just read, Jesus says, I am the only way to God and the only real truth. Historically, what have other beliefs taught, right? They have taught a universal concept, which is a hide-held belief in society, and that is all paths lead to heaven. You see how amazing and attractive that can sound, right? To the average person who wants to have hope and satisfaction, not offend someone, and still get along, right? The only issue is there are no consequences. In fact, the suggestion is to do what's convenient, what feels good, what's comfortable. If there's one thing about God, Yahweh, the one true God in the word of God, he's going to hold you accountable. Let's look at a verse that would mention and justify that. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. We're going to see the, look at this and take a look at it in the NLT. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Yeah, so part of God's love is his discipline. He will hold us accountable based upon his word and his expectation for us. And when we do wrong, he will address it accordingly. If we're going to be operating from a universalistic perspective, a universalistic perspective, then we cannot ignore that when it comes to that, there are different beliefs, right? There is no such thing as a unity belief right and love and all beliefs and therefore there's going to be a clash of ideas so i'm gonna say that again right if we're going to view a universalistic belief then to really believe that unity exists in that sort of concept would be very difficult right the idea that all beliefs have value in as a one is bound that they will clash, right? Now their cult might say, hey, you can choose, well, you can choose and pull what you like. However, I personally don't see how that can be viewed as truly being authentic if everything's okay. But this is the occult concept, right? It doesn't matter if you believe in Buddha. It doesn't matter if you believe in Allah. It doesn't matter if you have idols it doesn't matter if you see the river the animals yourself right they believe that you're going to heaven and that's the reality from their point of view but from a biblical perspective we believe that and we've come to see that that's not true right but everyone's entitled to what they believe and that's us being fair and understanding right everyone's truth in the concept of reliability, however, it can't be trusted. Everybody's truth in the concept of reliability can't all be right. There's a reason why the wide gate is a highway to hell, scripture says in the NLT. And it's broad because the devil wants to expand your mind and your thoughts into thinking and believing that one way can't be the only way. Satan wants you to think there's more than one way. 
that one way isn't fair and that it <laughs> must be more than other options than the options that's been provided to you. Now, unfortunately, from the biblical perspective, again, from the biblical perspective, again, this is incorrect. However, many will hear this and still believe and the variety is the spice of life, right? When it comes to a lot of other things, but not just salvation, right? The variety is the spice of life as it pertains to food, drinks, movies, sports, video games, clothes, and so many other things. But safe to say, I'm not sure if we can see that in terms of our salvation, folks. So I can promise you this, right? The path that is wide will lead you to eternal judgment, while a path that is narrow will lead you to eternal life. Again, the path that is wide will lead you to eternal judgment, while the path that is narrow will lead you to eternal life. Two different destinations, two different outcomes, according to God's word. Just to be clear and direct, that here on the Truth of the Matter is podcast, this is what God's decree is. This is not our opinions. Neither one of us form these ideas. We're only taken out of what the scripture has to say. Well, before we move on to, to before we move on to verse fourteen, let me give you some practical application in reference to how this can be applied to life. So, when it comes to accomplishing things in life, and then you can jump into this if you disagree or you find some value or you want to expand upon it. When it comes to accomplishing things in life, there are long ways and shortcuts. We cannot live life properly thinking that shortcuts are the way to go on every base. The reality is going to be long ways of doing things, and those long ways can be hard ways. Those hard ways can be beneficial on a lot of different levels. Even in my own test prep, right, there are shortcuts to consider. However, there are long ways, and I should know them both. I should understand them both. The shortcuts help. On occasion, but we still must understand the entire process because the shortcuts may work and because they are reliable. However, having a clear understanding of the long way is something that we have to be mindful of. It can be relied upon in shortcuts, but having a clear understanding and an indication is something we need to make sure we have understanding and we have process of, right? Anything you want to add? One thing I noticed too, especially when you become accustomed to doing things the right way. When you try to take that shortcut, it just doesn't feel good. Mm. And you know when you're cheating yourself. It's like anybody lifts weights. You know when you got an extra rep or two on you. You just know. And you know when you put the weight down or you finish the set. You know for a fact you probably could have squeezed two or three more out. That's what the shortcut feels like. And not only is it not rewarding, it's it there's nothing you get nothing out of it. So it's just better to do things the right way. Even pills, right? Some people pop a pill, some people do some things that's just like, what are we doing here? Right? In regards to mm-hmm. trying to get, you know, there's things that are promoted, right? They call it, uh, there's something that I'm thinking of, fast, I think it's six-pack shortcuts, right? Uh, Yeah, the six-pack shortcuts, the... uh, Yeah, there's a lot of different... You know, the the 20-minute workouts. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
So we hear quite a few different things that are presented to us. Or, you know, you can lose weight in a certain area not realizing the concept is you have to lose weight all over to get to that specific area. But Yeah, yeah. then you know, uh, I even see it at work sometimes too. There's you know, people who wants to just kinda half do the order or, you know, oh just send it out and then you always get the email later that something needed to come back or there was an issue. Or you just want to sign off or something and not really check it. It comes back. It, it always comes back to you. So it's just don't do it. Just don't do it. <laughs> just do it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, honestly, it just prevents a lot of trouble. Yeah, it takes a little bit more time. But I always say, ask yourself, how do you want to feel 20 minutes from now? You know, when the task is done. Or imagine how you will feel once it's already finished. And you know you did it the right way. Yeah. It's it's interesting, right? So back to a biblical perspective. When it comes to God, right, there are no shortcuts. Having faith in Jesus Christ is the only way. Jesus is the only one who addresses the issues of sin. Hence, the Gospel of John, chapter one, verse twenty-nine through thirty. We'll look at this in the New King James Version. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world." This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who was preferred before me, for he was before me. Jesus is the only one who addresses the heart condition of the human being, right? Jesus is the only one who gave us his righteousness. Hence, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God beautiful job so finishing up by looking at verse verse 14 from Matthew 7 and simply put can you repeat verse 14 for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. All right, very good. So I could, you know, finish up by providing more scriptures, but I think it's kind of important that we kind of talk this out a little bit. And I think that a lot of times this doesn't get spoken enough about. And I think myself and Daniel, as as followers of Christ, it's important that we, we express this, right? Living out the Christian difference is hard. I know many people just don't understand and and they think that Jesus, when he repents, when we repent and he forgives our sins, that everything's good. Unfortunately, the conviction that we have that leads us to repent remains and it reminds us to constantly do better, to be better, to turn away from certain practices that aren't good for us 
I want to make sure I express that because when you look at what Jesus did and we just talk about it, it seems very convenient. That's because it is. It's convenient because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says we are saved by grace through faith, not by works so that we may boast. Why? Because Christ saving us takes any sort of boasting that we can do under our own power out of it and it allows us to place our reliability and trust in Christ right and I talk about the scripture in, in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 which says he's able to empathize sympathize with us because actually I use sympathy not sympathetic but empathetic because he understands what it is to have your flesh constantly eat at you to lead you and guide you to do things that you know you don't want to do we we spoke about this at length in the book of romans chapter 7 about the things you don't want to do or the things you keep on doing the things you do want to do or the things you don't do that's the battle right the battle is the battle is you're trying to do what's right but you have this desire to do good but evil is present that's what's going on right the holy spirit is here to remind us that not only are we not perfect but that christ has the ability to help us come to the reality that we're all gonna fall short but that doesn't mean by falling short that we can't try and be better now the understanding of the conviction is that the conviction does not leave a satisfying feeling behind but in fact we feel it it's not pleasant so living out things god's way is vigorous and requires our total attention the word of god requires commitment which is what daniel was talking about earlier sacrifice and long suffering in a lot of cases you have to deny your flesh on more than one occasion. And there's gonna be times when you don't deny your flesh and you fall short, right? The song Donna McKirkland that says, get back up again, stand, right? Because that's the battle. On a regular basis, this happens each and every day on so many levels. The sins that we commit in our thoughts, the sins that we commit action-wise, the fornication, the way we look at women lustfully, we commit sin in our hearts. If anyone tells you they don't sin anymore, they're just not telling the truth. We're constantly having a battle with things that are not of God, that we are subject to, that we have to deal with, all right? The reason why only a few ever find a narrow gate is because living out what you believe is difficult especially when it comes to the context of you know walking a christian difference it takes practice it takes having a mentality of never giving up you know that you will fall and that you will have to get back up again numerous times if anyone tells you different that's just not true living god's way is a process not an event but the point is, don't let the difficulties bring you down. 
understand who God is and the character that he has and the love that he has for you. He's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's full of truth. And he knows they can empathize with your challenges on a regular basis. Amen. Have faith. Keep running your race at your pace. Comparison is the thief of, do of the thief of joy. Don't compare yourself to others. Understand that you have to work on yourself. And by understanding that you have to work on yourself, don't be necessarily hard on yourself to the degree because you know that it's not you, but a sin living in you, but you have to master it. You have to war against it. And finally, progressiveness is something that you have to be up for. Progressively, things will get better. And on that note, unless Daniel has anything to add, we'll finish up with devotional time. Now, I like this devotion specifically because of the title. It's called How to Capture God's Attention. Sounds like an interesting topic to me, if I do say so myself. In the book of Psalms, chapter 33, verse 18 and 19 in the NIV says this. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who, whose hope is in his unfailing love, to, to, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. So here's the thing about God's attention and provision. It doesn't hinge on how well you pray. It's all too easy to think of God as a slot machine that demands certain practices in order to meet your needs. Christians often run the risk of domesticating God, demanding that he meet their needs and serve their purposes. But those who expect provision set God apart as holy and powerful, worthy of reverence and respect. You don't pray for God's presence in order to manipulate him for your own purposes. Rather, you yield to his majestic power. The psalmist then reminds you that God's love is unfailing. You don't fear a monstrous, angry deity. You serve a holy, all-powerful God who loves you deeply and won't fail you even if you have been unfaithful. As you rest in God's care for you, You'll find a constant, unmoving love that is deeply committed to you. So, say this. God, thank you as we pray to you today that though you are all-powerful and infinitely holy, that you think of me. Help me to know that you are God and that you love me and that you care for me. And everybody in agreement say amen. Amen.